making comments that are uh, favorable, but at the same time, I would say that you have a much better pastor here than you used to have, and uh, I'm uh, I'm thankful for his confidence in me and uh, and his invite to come back and preach to uh, what I call home. Now, there's a lot of new faces here today that I don't know, and perhaps you don't know me, but uh, maybe we can get acquainted if you'll uh, find it in your heart to come more than one service. I got ready to come today, and uh, and uh, Betty Rowland was talking to me as I was going out the door, and I said, aren't you going to church? And she said, no, just the second service. And I said, oh, my, I have to change what I was going to do. I was going to preach on sin while you were there, and so uh, I'm going to have to wait till later. So uh, I kind of give you the same kind of warning, you know, but I hope that you will uh, attend as much of the revival this week as you can. As much as I love coming here, and as much as, uh, as this is home to me, I can uh, assure you that that's not the reason that I'm here. I prayed this morning, again, earnestly, <clears throat> that God would send revival, uh, on, not just on the, on the land, but I'd like to see it centered in, in, in places where I know that folks are, are hooked up right. And, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak in this morning about the church. And uh, the, the condition of the church today, and I, I preached at home not long ago a message uh, that uh, will be similar to this, not exactly the same, but uh, the title will be the same. Uh, it's a church for such a time as this. Uh, have you ever considered that you may be in those seats today specifically for a purpose? that only you can fill. And you say, well, God's pretty big. God can do anything. He can use anyone. But God may have chosen to use you specifically. And you being in the seats makes all the difference in the world. And I hope that you'll listen uh, with uh, not just attention, but let's let this sink in. Don't think it's for your neighbor. It's for all of us. Uh, as I try to tell you a little bit, about what's happening to our churches in America. How many of you uh, know or follow Tom Rainier, uh, or Rainer, however you say his name? Uh, used to be the one of the deans at Southern Seminary. He is now uh, does a, a blog post and a lot of different things. Uh, man, that got better all of a sudden. <laughs> My throat cleared up right here in the middle. Uh, at any rate, uh, he's my go-to for what's going on today in churches all over uh, the world, actually. But he especially monitors what's happening in America's churches. A recent effort to try to find out how badly the, the churches have been affected by what we know as COVID was done just a few weeks ago. And uh, it is now estimated by folks, and it's pretty much a popular consensus among pollsters, that 20% of America's churches will close as a direct result of the pandemic. That's one in five churches. Folks, I don't know if you realize how many churches there are in America, but that's a lot of closed doors. And I, I was uh, sharing last night with Brother Larry Rowland. We were talking about churches and how they've made it through the, the, the pandemic to this point. And uh, I can think of several in the association where I'm at 
that are on the verge of just closing the doors permanently and walking away. And indeed, there are some folks that are driving many miles to come to where I pastor at, and not for me. It's just their church had closed up, and they were looking for a church, and they landed with us. Uh, it's a whole area close to where I live where churches are, are pretty much just all closed up. And many of them are 10, 15 people uh, for a service. And in the midst of all that, their church is like 10 miles. And uh, churches, I might add, like the church that I pastor, uh, we've we've got seventy to seventy-five people that we have probably lost permanently as a result of COVID. I have folks that are scared to go outside, but uh, during that same time, we've taken in that many people. God has continued to save, and people have come and joined the church, and it's prospering and growing. And uh, I know that you all are having a similar experience here because I've talked to your pastor about this. And, and so I, I want to I just reinforce with you today, I know that you know that this is an exceptional church, but I, I want to reinforce this simple fact that you probably are a church for such a time as this. I take my text today from Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. And uh, let me share just a little bit with you before I read from this text today about uh, what the, the story behind everything is. The Jews are in captivity. Mordecai, who is, uh, depending on the commentator you want to read, he's either a, uh, a close relative, meaning a cousin or something like that, to Esther, or could even perhaps be an uncle. I've, I've read some folks' writings that believe that he was an uncle. Whatever he was, he knew that Esther was a part of his family. She was beautiful. Uh, she was smart. And uh, she also was uh, kind of prone to take advantage of every opportunity that came her way. And so uh, in the midst of their captivity, there was a man who rose up who decided that the best thing to do for the kingdom where they were being kept uh, was to eradicate Jews entirely kind of like a pre-Adolf Hitler, you know, and and was pl making the plans to do so. But uh, Mordecai got word of it. And uh, in the meantime, Esther had been spotted by the king. His wife, I believe her name was Vashti, I'm not sure, but anyway, his wife, she had a kind of a, a, I don't know, a rebellious spirit, I guess you might say. And every so often the king would call uh, some of his uh, his ladies. He had a lot of ladies. And especially queen, you know, always called queen, to appear before him. But it was against the law of the land to appear before him unless you had been called. As a matter of fact, you were to face death, even if you were the queen, to come before the king unless the king had called for your appearance. So Mordecai goes to Esther because Esther has been chosen as a, re a replacement for the queen. Beautiful girl. King loved her dearly. But it never crossed his mind that she was Jewish. And here these guys are wanting an edict to remove the kingdom of all Jews. And she decides to be quiet. Mordecai says, no, 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 Esther, you cannot be quiet. 
you are here for such a time as this. Think about that. This time, you, you beautiful little Jewish girl that may have seen yourself as nothing but eye candy. But you're here for such a time as this. I want to suggest to you today, church, that you are here for such a time as this. You can probably rest assured that you may be the, the church in this area that will go all the way through pandemic and come out stronger in the end than you were when you went in in the beginning. And you still have the, the chance, and I still believe it will happen. I said this 10 years ago on my departure. I still say it today. There is not a church that I know of, not anywhere in this country, and I know a lot of churches in this country, who have the potential to change the whole area around them as this church does. I appreciate, again, the, the, the comments that were made about the, the pastor and all that sort of stuff, but right there is one of the best pastors that you're going to find anywhere on the face of this earth. This boy can preach, and, and by the way, I know he was trained right because I trained him, amen? And I've said that, I know you appreciate your pastor, but listen, when you've got a church that's hooked up right and a pastor that's hooked up right, you very well are the church for such a time as this. Can there be more churches? Yes. And I hope there are many more churches that are called for such a time as this. Because if we don't turn it around and turn it around pretty quickly, we're going to see Christianity as we know it eradicated right before our eyes. Remember the mixed multitude? Remember all of the problems that were happening in, in, in the, the exodus out of Egypt? Well, that's just the way that America is setting itself up to be. Now, should we be a country that welcomes people from all over the world? I do believe that, but nothing like we're doing right now. And what we're doing is we're bringing people from all over and all of their religions and we're putting them in the same place and saying somehow or other, the government is saying and other people sometimes in religious atmospheres are saying they're all just the same in the end anyway. I've got news for you, friend. They're not all the same. There's only one way to get to heaven and there's only really one church, one kind of church that's going to be the vehicle to keep this country as long as God wants it here and in one piece. That is the church for such a time as this. If you'll stand with me, let's read just those two verses and then I'll try to preach to you today. You won't have to stand again until the invitation. Esther chapter 4 verse 13 says this, then Mordecai commanded to Esther, think not with yourself that you will escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if you altogether hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Let's pray. Ask God to, to help us in this message today. Father, I come to ask you, Lord, for what I've done so many times, and uh, sometimes I feel like a wretch when I have to keep asking. But Lord, I know, because you know me, you know that there's not any good in me. And you know, Lord, that I'm not adequate or competent. 
and certainly not worthy to stand here and preach your word. But Father, this morning, a tired body, a weak mind, everything, Lord, that is close to useless is what you have chosen to use today. These folks really need a word and revival. And Father, I pray that you'll begin it just now, that you'll continue it in the second service, and Lord, that it would break out here this week in a way that would be so uncommon that no one here would ever remember seeing anything like it before. I pray that souls will be saved. I ask you, Father, that lives would be changed. And I pray, Father, that this church that is a strong old church will be strengthened, will be given everything it needs to be standing on the solid rock the day that you appear. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to suggest to you that a church that is here for such a time as this needs to change its focus from mere existence to survival. We've got to do some things with survival in mind. I wonder if all those 20% of churches that are closing in America, I wonder how many of them, when it all started, would have said, we're going to close because of this. Most of them would not have thought that that was even a possibility, that somehow or other the church, many of them old churches been around forever, could, could possibly fall to that level. I heard of a church last night, a church that, that was running over 2,000 that now runs 200, 300, something like that. I, I see that in our area. No, no church is exactly that size there. That's pretty big. But a church there that used to run 1,000, I know right now is running less than 300. It has really affected everything across the board. And because of that, friend, I want you to know that, that there may be a, a, a factual statement I can make right here. You may be the church for such a time as this. You say, we've already said that, Brother John. Yeah, and I'm going to say it many, many more times this morning. Because you see, the biggest challenge that a church has during this time is for change. Now you say, what do you mean change? We're doing okay. No, I, I'm, I'm telling you that, that the reason we need revival is because it, it, it's not because things are, are perfect. Every person sitting on these pews here this morning, as much as, as your pastor loves you, and I see a lot of people here that I know and love, but listen to me, there's not a one of you rascals that is not guilty of sin still to this day. If it were not for First John and the promises there in the very first chapter, all of us would be toast. We're, we're told that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we're ever going to change to be what God wants us to be, we have to get an attitude up here and, and a feeling in here that we truly are sinners in need of a Savior who continually forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness because we are... We, if we depend on our righteousness right now, we're just like somebody with filthy rags trying to cover ourselves up. We need to understand that we need Jesus more right now in the midst of all of this that's going on. No matter how strong the church remains, we need a revival among our people. Do you believe that today? I hope that you do because you see, if we don't believe that, it's never going to take place. 
And so change must happen. Here's the change I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about focusing on what a real church truly is. Now, there's a lot of claims that are being made today to the authentic church. But a lot of people are confused about what it means to be a real church in this day and time. See, today's church can be most anything. I do a lot of research trying to, to, to track and keep, uh, keep tabs on what's happening in churches in America, what's happening in, in the pulpits, what, what kind of preaching is happening and things like that. You, you'd be amazed at how many phone calls I'll get in a month's time from folks who are saying, do you know anybody? Uh, is there a pastor out there that we can call and so forth and so on? I, I, I'd hate to think how many calls I get like that. Let me tell you what. It's hard to recommend anymore. And I can tell you why. Because other things have been substituted rather than preaching the word of God. Amen? Now, here's what churches a lot of times are today. I know some, and I've checked on them, that are legalistic churches. Where what you wear and what you don't do describes your spirituality. Friend, I want you to know that God's more interested in what's inside than he is what's on the outside. God's not too interested on what you look like on the outside. The Bible says that, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. That's the way it works. Now, there are other churches out there where uh, a, a locality and a doctrinal polity are not at all important. But I got news for you, that's not the real church today. There's some one-track churches where every message is directed either to the lost or in some cases every message directed to the congregation and that way, you know, it's you never get the other side. You never get the encouragement if you're in one of those churches that's just preaching salvation every Sunday. And don't get me wrong, you'll hear salvation in every message that I that I preach. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, there's some who are just stuck on one or two verses in the Bible, and that's what you get over and over and over. And then there are those preachers out there that are ear ticklers. These guys are good, you know? Some of them got the biggest crowds that you can draw to a church anywhere. Some of them have got such a toothy grin that whenever they open their mouth to grin, their ears disappear. Amen? They, some of them got some of the blackest, shiniest hair you will ever see in your life. There's some sharp dudes out there. But those same sharp dudes will never tell you that there's a hell to shun. They'll never tell you that people are sinners in need of a saving God all the time. You won't hear that in so many of those churches. And I got news for you, that is not the real church. That's not the church that's going to survive because as bad as it has been, the pandemic and all considered, we have not yet seen the persecution that's going to come to the church before the Lord comes to get us out of here. You say, oh no, I'm going to be raptured before it all starts. You don't read that in the Bible. You're going to see persecution happen to the church before we're snatched out of here. And I do believe we're going to be snatched out. If you don't believe that, that's your privilege. But if I'm near you when the rapture happens, I'm going to hold on to you, take you up 5,000 feet, and then ask you if you believe yet. Amen. I'm here to tell you it is real. God is coming back. And he's coming back for a church that's gone through this change, this time where the pandemic has been used by Satan himself to drive churches out of existence. The government doing their very best to do everything in their power to somehow get you to quit assembling here in a room like this. I'm here to tell you, friend, there's, there's, there's a lot of things out there claiming to be the real church that are not at all. How do you change a church? Well, 
there's four things that people say that, that you can do. As a matter of fact, I got this from Tom Rainer's side as well. He says, first of all, you can have a policy change. You can simply adjust the way things are done and somehow affect some change. Or you can have personnel change. I don't recommend this because that's where you fire the ministers or elect new lay leaders. Then there's the, the churches that you have a program change, a reorganization plan. And lastly, there's a purpose clarification church that says they define and act on the fundamental purpose of the church. They take everything back to the fundamentals and start to build on it again. Say, okay, here's where we are. There's where we were. We don't want to go back to the past, but we're going to start just like we were the day that we first came to know Christ. Now, saying all that, the first three have to be repeated often. That's not so with the last one. If there's years that go by between vision castings, that's all right. But that's the one that lasts, where a church grabs a hold of a vision. I don't know, but I would almost guarantee you that this man has preached about vision and about what God wants for the church here. I'm not the pastor here anymore. I'm not here all the time. I'm just depending on the Lord this morning to tell me exactly how do I handle this? How do I how do I preach to these people about the church, about the importance of a church that's lasting through this pandemic? That's going to see a lot of persecution. Believe me, it is coming. I'm not a I, I don't mess with politics at all, and never did much, but I certainly don't anymore. But I can tell you this: uh, the political climate in this country is doing its very best to eradicate a church like this one. And one of these days, the Antichrist is going to have it very easy to come and combine everything. You wonder how they got to the one world religion? You see it in the Bible? Let me tell you how they do it. It's because of all of the multitudes and all the different ways of worshiping all coming to the same place. And finally, one person stepping forth and says, I can clear all this up. I can, I can show you a way that you'll all be okay. You know, we just have one religion. But believe me, it is being bantered about right now. Now, this is an introduction. I know it's been long, but I want you to I want you to hear something in two different versions of the Bible, Proverbs nineteen twenty one, and then God willing, I'll preach to you. There needs to be church that says this is God's purpose. And whatever it takes, we're going to fulfill it. Proverbs 19.21, a version that I hardly ever use, but I want you to hear the way this is worded. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. If you read it in the, the English Standard Version, it says this, many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Our Lord has purposed that there would be a church, a remnant, that's going to make it all the way to the time when Jesus comes. They'll still be winning the lost and being persecuted for it right up until the very end. That's a church for such a time as this. And my friend, if you're a part of this church, you are a part of God's purpose. I'm sure of that. Now let me give you uh, an outline, short I hope, uh, I don't know where all the time's gone here, but uh, 
I'm going to preach fast. Can you listen fast? All right. The church for such a time as this won't be worried about smiley faces and black hair. I'm sorry, Jake. Although your hair is, well, there's still some there, but it's black. Uh, they're, they're not going to be concerned about that. Uh, they're going to be a church that evangelizes the sinner. And you say, well, don't all churches do that? Listen, I think a lot of churches today have forgotten the word of the Lord in Luke 19.10 that says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's the purpose of the church, to evangelize the sinner. That's the number one purpose. So let's, let's look at purpose for just a moment. His purpose must prevail. There's no exception to that. He did not come to show us how to build buildings. You know, I, I love building buildings. This one here was built before I came, and I was surely glad it was. But I, I've been involved in a lot of building of buildings, and I, I, I enjoy that. It's, it's fun. It's exciting to watch all that. But that's not why God came. That, this is not the church. It's a beautiful building. It's one of the most beautiful church buildings I know of anywhere. But friend, I got news for you. This in God's eyes is not the church. The church came riding along with you in your car this morning. The church is in you. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I got news for you. Before you ever got here, you were at church. Amen? That's the church. So his purpose was not to build buildings, although they're nice. He did not come to show us how to be comfortable. I was talking yesterday with an old-time church member here, and, and they were talking about having one time to stop and close the doors where the wind would blow the, the door open on the old church building. And and if somebody came by, they just say, oh, the door's open again. They go up and shut the door. Well, you don't have to worry about that here. There's automatic closers and locks and all that sort of thing. Some most comfortable building you'll find any place. But friend, as comfortable as it is, that's not why God came. And he didn't come to accommodate those that he did save. Now you, you say, whoa, are you sure about that, Brother John? I am exactly sure. You know what he came for? He came so that you become a disciple and reach other people with the same gospel that reached you. Not so that you can be comfortable, not so you can be accommodated. God wants you to be a part of his army that's really going to win this world at the last, right before he comes back. The ones that he's got planned to be saved, there you're going to be that person. That's not Calvinistic statement, friend. That's just Bible statement. He came to save and seek the lost. That's our purpose. That's this church's purpose. I don't know how many of you all are baptized, and I know you've baptized a bunch since I've been here. But friend, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we could say, God, this is plenty, right? No, no, no. It's all about the souls that are still out there. I don't know how many folks in McLeansboro this morning are in church. Or will be in church. But I guarantee you there's more who are not than those who are. There are more people out there still needing the Lord than those who have found the Lord. I remember a little survey I did while I was still the pastor here. And I remember the percentages of lost people still in this county. Folks that had not had any affiliation with the church anywhere. The percentage was astounding. It would surprise you so much to know. How unchurched this very area is. You say, oh, there's a church on every corner, Pastor. You know what? That's true. There sure is. There's, there's a building on every corner with people meeting in it. But there is a difference 
in a church and one who knows its purpose. And its purpose is win the lost, disciple the lost. And then the scripture that I read for you says that his plan must prevail. He did not intend for us to build churches and then draw people into them. He didn't intend for us to water down the gospel so others would want to join the church. As a matter of fact, it was his plan that the church go into the world and present the gospel and bring folks to faith in Christ. That's his purpose. And if we don't know his purpose, friend, his purpose to evangelize the sinners, we'll never be the church for such a time as this. Then the second thing I want you to see today is this. The church for such a time as this will edify and equip the saints. That's why we're, we're our secondary purpose for being here. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 it says this. Have you, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Unless we, you and I, edify each other, many are bound to fall out. People are falling out of churches right now. I've got, I've got folks in my own church that have surprised me to no end, Brother Jake. I, I could, I can take you to a family. I married them. Uh, I baptized them. I, 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 I know them so well. They're business people. I, I blessed their business, uh, asked the Lord to bless it. Uh, and I, I would have thought they'd have been the last young, young folks. The last to fall out. But uh, I, I go through records every week and see who's been there and how the last time they were there and all that sort of thing. And uh, it's, it's been two months. And as far as I know, they won't be in church today. And you say, well, maybe it's just... Uh, no, no, that's not it at all. I've already checked it out. They are falling out, falling away. Uh, that's just one example. I could give you a number of them. Do you realize how many folks sitting in these pews right now that very well may fall out and this time next year you won't see them anymore unless we start really focusing on edifying each other, encouraging each other. I don't know how much you do of that right now, but boy, you need to do a lot of it and not just encouraging your pastor, but encouraging each other. Letting, letting others know that you appreciate what they do that you that you pray a blessing upon them every chance that you get, letting them know that they're important in your life, letting them know that you, they're they're a prayer partner with you, that you pray for each other, edifying, edifying, edifying. You say, "Well, I've heard that all my life." What does that exactly mean? Well, listen, listen to me. In First Thessalonians five eleven, following it says this: "Wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do." And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which are laboring among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that no one renders evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Friend, that's an admonition of the Lord. Edify each other. It's important. Now, it's not an easy task to stay spiritual in a world that's beckoning to you all the time. But I want to encourage you, do not start taking a Sunday off here and a Sunday off there because of 
a virus or because of anything else. And here's why. Your strength will be being in those seats with folks who know and love the Lord. I, I, I know things haven't changed. And I can recall coming to this church and, and just being around folks that I know were really serving the Lord that encouraged me every time that I came to do more just like that, to be just like they were. You'd be surprised, some of you, how much of my life has been patterned after you. I don't know if anybody, I would want anybody to pattern their life after mine, but I, I have I have certainly been observant of what some of you have done, and it's, it's affected my life, still does to this day. Now, how does that work into all this? Well, because you're in those pews, because you're regular, because you're accountable, I can draw strength from you. This pastor can draw strength from you. You can draw strength from each other and you say, well, I can do that at home. You know, that's, that's pretty easy. I, I look, man, we've got texting and all this stuff today and we can just stay in contact all the time and encourage one another. But you know what? There's just something about having the church around you. There's something about having those spirit-filled children of God sitting in the seats around you. You can feel the vibes from that. Hey, the Holy Spirit is here today. I may be lower as a snake's belly in a wagon track, but bless God, there's somebody here today who's not that way, and I can sense it, and it encourages me. And you say, well, nobody ever ought to ever get to the point to where they wouldn't be encouraged if they weren't around the church. Do you know uh, in the Bible a fellow named Peter? Remember him? Do you remember what he was doing right before the Lord went to the cross? He had a sword. And he was fighting like everything. Cut the high priest's servant's ear off. The Lord put it back on, as I recall. But that was a shock. Amen? Sit here, let me fix that. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is, oh. You know why it was bold? Because he had 11 more just like him behind him. And he had a bunch of other followers that were there with them. And he was bold. Give me my sword back. I want to cut another ear off. You know, they can't take Jesus. A few hours later, he's sitting by himself at a fire. No one around him. All by himself. And they're asking him, you're one of them. Your language betrays you. You're one of those Galileans. And Peter's saying, oh no, I don't even know him. Uh-uh. And finally gets to the point that he curses him. Don't bother me. I don't know this man. What's the difference, Jake? He didn't have the church around him. I don't know if you know this or not, but that's good. If you don't have the church around you, your strength is not being activated. You need the church surrounding you all the time. You've got to edify each other. You've got to feed off of each other. That's what God wants for his church. That's one of, uh, of the things of his purpose. And that will help you to stay spiritual as this world attacks even greater and greater the way it will. Peter didn't have the church around him. He fell. 
it does matter whether you come to church or not. It matters to you. Now, if the church doesn't equip the saints, they will give out. There's no doubt. It's the church's place to show converts how to make converts. That's so important. Now, it's also the church's place to show converts how to live Christian lives. And if they don't know how, they'll end up failing in their attempts and they'll get this feeling that they're unfit to serve the master any longer. That's why those churches are going to die, not because of the virus, but because of human behavior and the failure to surround themselves with others like themselves. The best among us are not any stronger. If you put us by ourselves out of the arms of the church, the accountability to the church, we are susceptible to fall. Now, lastly today, well, can you believe that I've done this? I know I'm over time, but that's not my fault. The introduction was too long. The real church will also exalt the Savior. And I listened to you all sing today. Uh, Eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, that was good. They were singing good today, Jamie. I don't know if they sing that way all the time, but man, that was good. And uh, I'm, 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 I appreciate that so much because I go to places where it's pretty much an entertainment show. People don't participate. And that doesn't matter what's going on up here, no matter how good it is. What matters is what's going on out there. What matters is if people are exalting the Savior. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Now some churches have what I call misdirected attention. They rely more on what they believe than who they serve. Don't make the mistake. And never make an idol of a pastor. Never. As good as they are, are rascals underneath. I I don't know what you, I was waving at Jake. What did you think I was doing? No, Jake is just like this pastor, just like all pastors. They need some encouragement too. They need to be lifted up. They need to be edified. Uh, you know, it's good to love your pastor. But when you come through the doors, you better be about loving Jesus. Because that man did not die for you. And I, I got news for you. I doubt if he, if he, if you ask him to right now, I doubt if he would. He probably would for his kids. And, 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 and certainly would for Tony. I'm sure he would. I, there's not another woman who would put up with him. <laughs> but Jesus didn't die for the purpose that you see a lot of people exhibiting today. He, he wants us to be exalting him. Church, as long as we're together and as long as we're lifting up his name to the to the, the Father in heaven, I got news for you. That's going to cause the angels in heaven to sing a little bit better. Singing was good here today, but can you imagine what it is when you get there? I'm getting close to that. I don't... 
every once in a while I leave my microphone on accidentally and I start singing and, I, and then I, I look and the, the security man that's in the media room upstairs, uh, he'll, he'll step out on the mezzanine up there and he'll be going, you know what that means? Shut up. <laughs> it means your microphone's on, dummy. You're singing with the praise team. And, uh, well, let's just put it this way. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when there's nobody going like this. Saying, you know, just praise Jesus. That's all it's about. Amen. Let me give, give you something else here to, uh, to think on today. To exalt the, the Savior is more than just raising your hands in the sanctuary. It's to make him Lord. Lord of your life. What does it mean for him to be the Lord of your life? Well, that means in every part of your life, he becomes Lord. You say, well, that's easy, Brother John. Is it? Is he the Lord of your marriage? Did you know the Bible says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God before it ever says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord? It really does. Read the 20th verse, it'll shock you. <laughs> yeah, that, that means that you've got to be just like Jesus. Read on a few verses, down about verse 25 or so, and it will say, uh, that we're to love our wives like God or Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. You know what that says? It says we've got to be like Jesus in our marriages. He's, he's got to be the Lord at home, not just here, but wherever you go, all the time, on your job site. He's got to be Lord of your life. He's got to be Lord of your money. That's hard for Baptists, right? That'll suck the air out of a room in a hurry. But nonetheless, it's true. He's got to be Lord of your worship, every aspect of your life, or else you will have a misguided appreciation for him. See, real appreciation lasts longer than a year or two. It lasts longer than be on fire for God one minute, the next minute being cold. That's not the God that we serve. God says when you give yourself to him, it is permanent. You're not given a point at which you can say, that's enough. Somebody said, you know what? You left here said you were retiring. I, I was, but I hadn't talked to God about it. God won't let you retire if you belong to him. You say, well, that's for pastors. No, 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 that's for you too. You can't get to a point where you say, you know what? God's not going to use me anymore because of this or that. No, 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 you're mistaken. You need to hear this plainly this morning. God still wants to use you. I don't care how old you are, how increpid you have become. God still wants to use you. So now by this time, you'll know that I believe that the real church, the church for such a time as this, evangelizes the sinner, edifies the saint, and exalts the Savior. Simple outline. It's not even my outline, but I can tell you this, friend. I can tell you that that's exactly what God wants for his church. And if a church does those things and do them well, then a church is going to change. It's going to change from marginal in its devotion to one that's sold out the Lord. It'll stop marching in place and start marching on. It'll grow. It'll prosper. It'll be real. And a real church will never reach a point of relaxation. Let me conclude this overtime message this morning in this way. Please see yourself as individuals 
who are here for such a time as this. See this church as a church that's here for such a time as this. I wanted to start like this this morning, low key. I expected that there'd be a, a few people here. It's a pretty good crowd for 8 o'clock in the morning. You must be Baptists who don't sleep much or something. I don't know. But I'm, at, at any rate, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're here for this service because really, as you won't see it yet, but you will see before I'm done this week that this is central to everything that I'm going to be preaching to you. This church has the potential to do it. I'm going to ask you this morning, first of all, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, if he truly is your Savior, you cannot have him Savior if he is not Lord. Doesn't work. You can't accept him as Savior and say, you know what, you're my Savior, Jesus, but I can't make you boss. He'll be boss or he won't be anything at all. So I'm going to ask you again, are you sure, right where you sit, that if the Lord came back today, you'd be with him in glory. If you're not sure, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. But I'm going to ask you who are the church today to just take to heart what I've told you. As low-key as I've been this morning, I think God can get through to you. Listen to this. You're important. This church is vitally important to this whole area. Do not let anything come in against it and tear it down and let you believe that somehow or another this is not the church for a time like this because it is. Today as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.